Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. This week we are talking about the new Nintendo console. The next generation is coming. Uh, it's it hasn't been announced, but we're uh, we're talking about it. Um, but and then we have some picks of the week. Uh, but first, John, what have you been up to this week? Man, so I feel like not a ton. I feel like I've been doing more Zelda. I dipped back into Elden Ring. Um, so obviously, just two ridiculously massive games. <laughs> That uh that that I will slowly chip away and eventually finish. Um, the uh, probably they'll probably both have DLC out before I even even come close to finishing them. Um, I'm further along I feel like in Zelda than I am in Elden Ring. I don't know why I feel like that. I've put more time into Elden Ring, like oh you know, but I do feel like I'm further along in Zelda. Um, maybe it's that like there are like these four kind of different locations or five, five or six, four or five locations. And I'm, I'm in the middle of like the second one. So it's like, I feel like I can kind of gauge that I'm, you know, 20% of the way through kind of that game um, of the main story, I guess. Like I've, I've barely scratched the surface of, uh, of, of side quests. I'm sure um, there's this whole thing in that game, Chris, where at the stables, that you encounter across the land um, where you can pick up a horse or like, you know, that you can, you know, go take a nap on the bed or like whatever to get, regain energy and hearts and stuff um, that people in there have like empty photo frames, like these gigantic empty photo frames on the wall. And they always like are like, oh, man, if I only had a uh, picture of a horse from above, you know, or whatever, like just, they all have like really specific um, requests for what they want in their photo frames <laughs> and link as the only person that I know of that has a camera in this world, <laughs> at least the only one who's out there adventuring around, um, then gets like, you know, I, I feel like I, I, those quests are left up to, to link where it's like, well, okay, I just got to take a photo of a horse and bring it back here. Um, <laughs> from above because like they just have these absurd like things where it's like i want uh you know uh looking down on this valley or something like that and so you know that you gotta like climb up real high get in the glider and take some photos or whatever and uh just you know be photographer uh link for a while there and uh anyway so i've done none of those so Anyway, that, like, you know, <laughs> I'm picking and choosing the things that uh, the things that I'm doing in this game at this point. Um, I'm not just trying to, like, be exhaustive about it, which I feel like is, is good. Because in this game, as well as in, like, a game like Elden Ring, you can really get, like, lost in some of the, uh, the exhaustive things. Because Elden Ring doesn't give you quest lines like that. They don't track quests. It's just somebody will just, like, offhandedly mention, oh, you know, there's a, you know, there's like a, there's a, there's a, magic user over in that cave over there you should you know you should go check that out and like so you have to go and explore and find whatever cave it is that they're talking about and take care of whatever's down there usually it's it's something horrible um in elden ring in in zelda the quests are very much like the opposite of that they're like oh that was cute <laughs> so and in elden ring you, you're like you're like i'm gonna be scarred for life now um, but that's what I've been doing, man. I've just been playing more of two ridiculously vast open world games that are some of the best, uh, video games out there, um, in that type of genre. So, um, 
What have you been up to this week? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, still just been playing um, Call of Duty um, and uh, listening, watching uh, Cardinals baseball. That's really it. There was an um, announcement this week, wasn't there? For Call about, of Duty? Oh, yeah. Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 is coming out uh, later this year, which we knew. Yeah. Like I mean, it, it leaked several times. Yeah, I feel like that was one of those where it's like, oh yeah, when are they going to finally confirm that? It just is odd also to to wait until now to confirm it. Um, I was curious, like if maybe like the 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 pending like you know uh, court cases and stuff like that had anything to do with the fact that they were to, like not announcing it because usually they announce it around like May. Um, and so I mean, because it's only a couple months away from from launching and and being the the next call of duty so um wild there yeah dude um so uh that's really the the coolest thing in the store happening right now there's like a an event that's like celebrating 50 years of hip-hop but you can grab a uh, snoop dog skin if you remember there was in the first modern warfare 2 there was um i can't even remember what it was that you actually bought but like the uh, the voiceover announcer that you know, like if you're playing domination or team deathmatch, could be Snoop Dogg. Dude, I, awesome. I don't remember that at all. Really? What? Yeah, I oh, had yeah. no idea. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, it'd be Snoop Dogg being like domination, and then he'd like say something like this, very Snoop like. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> there's a uh, operator all the Snoopisms. Skin. Mm-hmm. There's an operator skin in the store right now, and it's Snoop Dogg. And so you can you can be Snoop Dogg. He he, he has two outfits. He's either wearing a, a white jumpsuit or a purple jumpsuit. So I'm I'm rocking the purple jumpsuit. And uh, I mean, is when, it is it even a question? I no, mean, gotta uh, go purple. And then whenever you tag things or you like pick up stuff or like you know res somebody or thank somebody, like it's Snoop saying saying his his lines. So that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's awesome. I love I love that type of absurdity. I I've loved it in Fortnite like whenever they have like all those you know the the weirder uh ones there. I like the John McClane one where they have like these uh they had in uh that John McClane skin or whatever where he's they basically just chopped out dialogue from the movie that just like sort of maybe halfway appropriate for the uh for the situation and uh you know anyway it's just it it's super fun to get into a game and that's it's just like this is this is just fun I love it yeah yeah so that's what I went up to John well cool cool um, I did just remember there the the new season of Apex has launched, um, and they have now for the first time ever, Chris, done a complete rework of one of the characters, um, one of the heroes, like where they changed all of the powers. Um, the powers that they have they just like they used to have do not remain. Um, no one has those anymore, and so yeah, so that's it's just a very very interesting like. It's like, okay, people potentially prayed for this character back in the day. Now it plays completely different. Um, I do think that it, it's good. It's a good rework. Like it's, it's a, just power, you know, more powerful or more, I guess, balanced um, at this point, right? Where it's like, hey, you have a reason to choose that, uh, that, that person, that operator. Um, but it's just interesting that, uh, that, you know, this live service game now, like you cannot even play as this <laughs> the the previous version of this character at all so um very fascinating and the ongoing kind of uh world of these online games yeah dude 
Um, all right. Well, that's what I've been up to. I, I've also I, I referenced something at the end of the show last last week that I've I've been up to as well. But it's my pick of the week. Pick of the week. All right, John. My pick of the week this week is uh, Oppenheimer in IMAX. Uh, I went to go see it. I saw it. Fantastic movie. This is probably, I mean, like, uh, this, honestly, in my mind, this movie solidifies uh, Christopher Nolan as one of the directors, greatest directors of all time in in my mind. Um, I mean, he's had some great stuff, and, like, you know, he, he has his thing, but this is, like, not only, like, you know, like, some things, it's like, okay, yeah, like, Tenet is, like, well... The, you know his his things kind of like well I'm just gonna make a a movie that just like you know loops time in on itself and like you know makes a you know it's real confusing you have to watch five times to really understand and it's real it's theoretical twisty. twisty yeah all that kind of stuff and I was like I, I feel not that that's easy I'm not saying that but it's gimmicky I guess um, in some ways and and it's very much you know feels like okay obviously I mean again not anyone can do it but it almost feels like yeah anyone can make a real confusing movie. Um, but this movie, I mean, he does it so well. Um, it's like, it's shot so well. He, he wrote it so well. Is this um, one, does this one have like a twisty time looped mechanic or like they, any type of a, like jumping forward and backwards? Cause even like Dunkirk, like Dunkirk was like, Oh, let's just tell this kind of historical world war two story of this, this event that happened, like this battle that happened. Um, and but it also like it plays with time a little bit. Yep. Um, jumping forwards, backwards, extending it for one of the the character stories and contracting it for other characters. So no, it like, really, yeah, that, that one doesn't jump backwards. That one just like it's different timelines that that like one timeline takes place over like an hour. Right. One timeline takes place over the course of several days. One right. timeline takes place over over, but you see them all like in parallel yeah and then they like at one point in the movie they all line up at one point and then they kind of drift apart again right and so like so you see basically the important parts of these four different stories uh, you know all you know told like in different you know um i guess expanding or contracting of time to get to all of the important things here to lead up to the single event where they're all like lined up together. And then, like you said, they kind of converge from it. So is there anything like that in, in, in this movie? Like, Oppenheimer? yes. Um, so if you don't want to hear about this, uh, jump forward and skip through it. Um, okay. So there, there are, um, there are a couple of different, uh, not timelines, a couple of different, but it, it is. It's kind of like there's a, um, trying to do this spoil, non-spoilery. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's okay. So there are, there are two, there's Oppenheimer's storyline from like the beginning through till like the end. And then there's also, it overlaps throughout the movie with several other points in the timeline that you get to later. Okay. But, um, he, he overlays it with, um, some of the scenes are in black and white, and some of the scenes are in color. Okay. And the w- and the way that he like differentiates what's happening is the c- the scenes that are in color are the sub- are subjective from Oppenheimer's point of view, and he actually wrote the script in first person um, when he wrote this for that part portion of the movie. And then the black and white scenes, some of which you see early on, and then you get to later in color. The black and white scenes are the objective point of view. So it's like. And it's things that he, where he pulled from like uh, 
um, public record where it's like we know that this is what was said in this moment because it was in front of the a congressional hearing and this is what was was said and so like he plays with but then there's the subjective point of view of how it how it played out from Oppenheimer's uh, perspective and, and standpoint and so fascinating. Um, Yes. Here's the thing, though. This is the first time that he's done this where I wasn't trying to unravel and understand the timeline the whole time. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was so natural and made so much sense in and of itself. It wasn't confusing. Like, Tenet is confusing. You watch it, yeah. and even sometimes, like, uh, Inception, the first time you watch it, you're like, okay. Dream within I, a dream! I, yeah, I get it. It's, I mean, it's confusing a little bit, and I kind of get it, and I think about it afterwards. And But, like, this one is, like, it's done so... And even even uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk, you're like, what is happening here? Like, what is? why is this plane... Why is this guy flying this plane and taking so long... <laughs> To get wherever he's going, and then you realize, oh, this is just like a shortened timeline that stretched over the whole movie, you know, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but like the this this one, because it's it's jumping back and forth, and and, they, and he doesn't, you know, obviously the the whole subtext between the objective and subjective point of view isn't stated in the movie. But like just from what's happening, I think like before before I even understood that that's what was going on, like afterwards when I read some stuff, I like. I perceived it in that way, like subconsciously. I would not know that's that cool. I would have like voiced it in that way and explained sure. it that way, but I understood that this is a different like viewpoint kind of like it was definitely like, you know, it, it felt it felt very like at arm's length and kind of more it, less subjective than the other stuff. Gotcha. Um, cool. But yeah, dude, it, it's it's great. The music is great. Um, it's the, I can't remember his, his name. It's the same dude who's, who did a, Ludwig Göransson. Yep, um, who did um, Tenet and um, and The Mandalorian and all that, and then um, the acting is insane. Like, there's so many great actors in here. This is one of Robert Downey Jr.'s best performances, in my opinion. It's one of Cillian Murphy's uh, best performances for sure. Um, he, uh, like, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like uh, all these great actors are in this movie, and like they actually like shine like even like emily blunt for a hot second you're just like why is emily blunt in this role she's not really doing anything and then like you get to certain points you're like oh this is why she's in this role um and uh it's uh it's just a really really well done well written well made movie and then seeing it in the experience you know and experiencing it um in full frame imax on film uh it was just great i mean like it always is um it's uh, it was it, like it looks beautiful, sounds beautiful. It's freaking huge, um, and uh, and and definitely worth the worth the watch in the IMAX theater, cool. the full frame IMAX like theater on film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about how before there were only like you know nineteen of those or something like that. Yeah, there's only nineteen in the U.S. Nineteen theaters playing it on film in the U.S. They just extended the runs. This is and why you said there was the like week. forty worldwide though. Like, so it's literally like you know. That's just yeah. super limited. <laughs> yep. Uh, they just extended the run in IMAX um, through the end of the month, through the 31st. And so um, you still have a few weeks, a couple weeks maybe to go uh, see it. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely definitely worth it if you're around one um, or close, within driving distance of one, like a day trip, like definitely 
definitely worth it. Or if you're going to go see it, you know, like as an alternative, just see it on the biggest screen with, that you can. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely worth it. Sure. The uh, thing that I would say is like, you know, having, having seen a few, like quite a few, I feel like, uh, because we have it yeah. here in town, it is really nice to like watch something on like that size of actual film. Like it, yeah. it really does. Uh, there is something to it. You know, it's like, well, and like, like, it, it's like if you haven't ever watched something on a 70 millimeter IMAX film, like yep. go like, I would say like go out of your way to do it because like, yep. It really is something, something special. So, well, like, you know, when I watch, we, so we saw, you know, the dark Knight and the dark Knight rises on IMAX full frame, like film and uh, back in the day. And when I watch that movie now, like I think about that every single experience and what that was like every single time I watch it. Cause like the, the big, like action scenes were in full frame. This was back when he wasn't shooting full movies on it. He was, you know, like shooting, um, you know, it was like popping scenes. in and out. Yeah. 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 Uh, but like, I think about that every time we hit one of those scenes, I'm like, oh man, this was the scene that just like, you know, took my breath away, you know, kind of whenever he's, you know, stand on the, on the, on a building over, uh, Shanghai. And then like the other side of that is we will never see that version of that movie again, unless they put it back in, in theaters on IMAX film. Yeah. I mean like they, the, the, after a while they started doing the thing. Like, so for example, um, I think it's one of the Mission Impossibles where they like pop in and out of like your like because you have like you don't have the full like IMAX frame this full square kind of yeah, frame yeah they'll, 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 they'll go from like the like one twenty one scale to like where there's black bars on the top and bottom to where right. it goes to, like uh um you know uh nine by sixteen or whatever it is that your your um normal screen is. Right. But yeah, but yeah, you just don't, you don't get that full, like, oh my goodness, this thing is huge. Yep. Um, and like, yeah, like popping in and out of it is, is interesting. I really loved like that, like the, the impact that like doing that does. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, dude, I, like I said, it's, I love, I love 70 millimeter IMAX. There's something special about it. It's real cool. Yep. <laughs> Only 40 places or whatever in the entire world are playing this movie in that, and like, I don't know of any other real like director or movie maker that does like that it prioritizes the actual yeah. 70 millimeter film projectors. You I know mean, what I mean? The only other film that I saw, you know, in the past 10 years on 70 millimeter film, well, I guess two. Um, one was that uh, the was the Force Awakens when we saw it. Yeah, um, in the planetarium. Yeah, in the planetarium, which was cool in the in the dome, and it was uh it was on seventy millimeter uh film, and then I saw, uh, and this was just in a like it was like a semi large, um, uh, theater, but it wasn't like huge. I saw um, the Hateful Eight on seventy millimeter. They did a seventy millimeter roadshow with the Hateful Eight and. Um, it was on like two reels and they had to change it in the middle and there's an intermission and all this kind of stuff. And it was really cool. Um, really, but like, you know, it wasn't like the size wasn't what was impressive. The cool thing was that it was on, on we were watching it on film and right, that's just right. kind of a more of a like classic way to view movies, but it wasn't yeah. like huge. You know what I mean? Could have right, been, right. it just wasn't. Well, cool. Well, that's awesome, Chris. Why? Well, I, uh, I, I love it. Um, well, my pick of the week this week is 
not a 70 millimeter IMAX film. It is a little video game by the name of a short hike is on game pass. Um, so anybody who's got game pass should download a short hike and play a short hike. One of my favorite video video games. Um, it's a, you know, a, a few hours long and it is, I think before, before tears of the kingdom or whatever, I was like, this is a isometric indie non combat version of like breath of the wild. Like you're climbing, you're gliding and like you have like the stamina bar, you level, you like explore this, this whole Island to like level up your, uh, your climbing abilities and your flying abilities and stuff. Um, essentially you're a bird who's like put on an Island and, uh, and you're like, you're there with uh, all these wild characters talking to every single person is always like a, a fun time. They all have different personalities and they all are very, um, cozy and charming and you are, are tasked with, Hey, I'm waiting on an important phone call. And like your, the, your, uh, aunt, the ranger, um, says, Oh, well, you we don't get any signal, cell phone signal, except for up at the top of the mountain. And so you're basically like tasked with just climbing up this mountain. And, you know, there are, you know, there are obviously like you can, you can like streamline, make it more difficult for yourself, or you can make it really easy if you like explore and, and level up and get all these, like get all the golden feathers to like be able to have all the stamina in the world. Um, but man, the, just the game is just such a, such a fun, charming time. It's basically like the equivalent to me of like, Hey, let's go on vacation and have a relaxing weekend. I've played through the game like three or four times at this point. Um, so play and you know, played it on Xbox. I've played it on Switch. I've played it on uh, PS5. Um, and I, you know, it's every time I'm, I enjoy it. Um, so it's it's a blast. So everybody should download a short hike. It's worth the purchase. Uh, if you don't have game pass, it is absolutely worth it. So grab it on whatever platform you have Uh switch. Um, you can grab it on, on PlayStation and grab it on Xbox. And obviously if you have game pass, it's on Xbox. You already like can install it and just dive right in. Um, but it's a blast. A short hike is what it's called. A short hike. Nice. The music is also fantastic. <laughs> How long does it take to play? Uh, only like, uh, like I would say probably three, four hours. Like, it, like if that, like, again, like that's like doing, you know, just like taking your time. That's sort of, if you really wanted to like, you know, beeline it, I'm sure you could speed run the thing. Um, or, you know, just really just like, you know, do it in, in not talk to anybody or whatever and do it in like an hour or, or so. Um, but the way that I played it, I was like, ah, I just basically sat down and played it over two nights. Um, so it was like, you know, an hour and a half, uh, each night was just like, yeah, let me just like relax and do this. And I got it done on like a weekend and it was just like, man, that was just a perfect game gaming weekend of just like sitting down, playing a game, relaxing, enjoying myself. Um, you know, obviously sit down with some snacks and, 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 you know, and, you know, get yourself like a, a sweet tea or something like that. And just, just enjoy, enjoy. Um, but Chris, your pick of the week is Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter IMAX and mine is a short hike on game pass. All right, John. So the, um, the main topic for this week is, uh, Nintendo's next console. So this is a, uh, an article I'm reading from video games, chronicle.com, um, written by Andy 
Robinson. So uh, the the title is Sources, Nintendo Targets 2024 with next-gen console. Uh, subtitle, Key Partners Have Development Kits Ahead of a Planned Launch. Sources tell VGC. Um, so according to multiple people with knowledge of Nintendo's next-gen console plans, the company is likely to release new hardware during the second half of 2024 next year to ensure that it has ample stock available on day one and to avoid the kind of shortages seen with PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. Although specific details on the console are being kept closely guarded, those VGC spoke to indicated that the next-gen console would be used in portable mode similar to the Nintendo Switch. Two sources VGC spoke to suggested that the console could launch with an LCD screen instead of the more premium OLED in order to bring down costs, especially when considering the increased storage needed for higher fidelity games. The current Switch comes with just 32 gigabytes of internal memory, which... As a side note, didn't we have to put that in there ourselves? No, there's 32 gigabytes on board, and then you can add more oh, with an SD card, okay. which is great because SD cards are so inexpensive. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, while many current-gen PlayStation and Xbox games are over 100 gigabytes, and so uh, obviously those would not fit on the Switch. Like its predecessor, the new Nintendo console will also accept physical games via a cartridge slot, the sources said. Other details, such as backwards compatibility, support for Switch games... Physical and digital remain unclear. Nintendo has said it wants to convert as many of Switch's 100 million-plus user base as possible to its next system, although <laughs> some third-party publishers are said to have expressed concern that legacy support for Switch games could negatively affect the sales of next-gen titles. Wah. Nintendo did not immediately respond to VGC's request for comment on the story. Tokyo-based industry consultant Dr. Sirkin Toto told VGC that a 2024 console launch would make sense for Nintendo since it's projected to see double-digit declines in Switch hardware and software sales this year after it cleared seven years in the market. Uh, quote, I would generally say that looking at Nintendo's financials, it seems clear that, the time is, that it's time for a new piece of hardware in 2024. Hardware is already projected to fall 16.5% year-on-year in the current fiscal while the minus for software is expected to hit 15.9, the only way to stop these losses from totally ballooning next fiscal is a new device, and the second half of 2024 sounds like a realistic release window to me. End quote. Reed Pops, head of games, Christopher Dring, told VGC that a 2024 release would fit with Nintendo's historical trend of launching hardware mid-cycle compared to PlayStation and Xbox. Quote, the original Switch released over three years after PS4 and Xbox One, which proved to be an effective move for Nintendo. A second half 2024 release for Switch 2 would be nearly four years after PS5 and Xbox Series X and S, and we would see a similar mid-cycle launch for Nintendo. I'd argue that un unlike 2017, Microsoft and Sony's consoles still feel relevant, rel relatively new at the moment, yeah, they don't feel five years old. Yeah, they don't feel as like the the Xbox One and the PS4 at four year, or four or five years old felt ancient compared yeah. to what the Series X and the PS5 feel like today. Uh, so feel relatively new, par partially due to component shortages slowing the rollout in the first two years and software delays, meaning we've not seen too many titles take full advantage of either PS5 or Xbox Series X. So it's to be seen whether Nintendo will enjoy the same benefit. Uh, as I did before. However, the biggest competitor Nintendo's faces is itself, although its core fans are eager for more hardware, the more family-oriented casual fans will need more convincing. What will the next Mario Kart offer that they're currently not getting from the current one, for example? Nintendo has struggled 
to upgrade players in previous generations, so how it approaches things like digital libraries, the Nintendo account, and even backwards compatibility may prove crucial in the next system getting off to a strong start. End quote. If Wild Ninten- man. If Nintendo does release the Switch's successor closer to Christmas, Dring said he'd expect a deeper launch lineup than what we saw with the first Switch, which arrived earlier in its launch year. Quote, in 2017, Nintendo spread out its releases with a big game arriving almost every month. By the time the holiday period arrived, the firm had Mario, Zelda, Splatoon, and Mario Kart, plus a number of smaller titles like Arms and Xenoblade to push the console over the crucial Christmas sales window. If Nintendo opts for a Q4 release next year, I'd expect the company to have multiple games ready to go for launch. End quote. The Um, thing is, I don't know why that would be. Like, I don't know why people would expect that, like, really. Because, like... I mean, if you just put out all of the mm-hmm. games that they put out that first year within the like a two week period, it's like, well, people aren't going to pick up like that many. Like, I, you're not going to. You're basically giving up sales. I feel like in that case, because like you're you're competing with yourself if you have a Mario and a Zelda day one or something. Maybe like that. You for know like I mean? the most hardcore players, but I think what they're trying to do at that point is just have some game that appeals to everyone that will cause them mm. to want to buy a console. Because, I mean, if you think sure. back to pre, probably pre-Xbox One, PS4, that was the strategy, like, to have a strong launch lineup that came with the console. Remember, that was a big hubbub, right. hubbub when both of those consoles launched. And actually, I think the PS4 actually did launch with a decently um, strong lineup. But Better than Xbox, for sure. Yeah, Xbox yeah. One had a had a terrible launch lineup like titanfall didn't come out until like march or something like that and that was a huge mistake (laughs) i mean with with the backwards compatibility on xbox and playstation that like these two generations like are these these this new generation it wasn't as much of a big big deal like sure sure because it was like cool uh the call of duty that you're playing on your old console you just pay like a ten dollar upgrade fee and you can play it on this new console you know or like right there were a few First party exclusives, but it, it, you know, like it was largely like third party that were upgrading visuals and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, hey, this is like, this is the, your previous game and more, you know? Um, and I do like in that article, that person mentions like that these boxes haven't really, we haven't had like, things pushing the series x and the ps5 like to the max except for like a handful of games like like i can think of a couple of first party um sony games that that i feel like do yeah but then like on the xbox side it's like okay well there's a lot of third party stuff and i can think of like you know there's like some that i get in there and i'm like oh man this feels truly next gen but like just largely it's like okay this is upgraded visuals of what we could have gotten at the end of last generation especially if you went from the mid-cycle like upgraded consoles you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean i'm yeah i mean talking about playstation and xbox right now like i definitely i i don't know if i could realistically make a case for why they should upgrade their hardware right now yeah yeah and then you look at like nintendo and it's like okay yeah i guess like the switch is definitely getting old like right oh, like 100 the, at- the switch i mean yeah like i mean not it's a pretty game but like you know uh zelda um tears of the kingdom like honestly like i was kind of disappointed in the visuals sure i mean like and that's the thing like you know it's like okay from a power perspective absolutely like um, it's it, people have been asking for that switch pro for like years and years and years at this point. Yeah. Um, 
and like this, you know, being like, okay, a brand new console. It's like, okay, well, I kind of just want it to be a switch, but with more power, you know, Same. like with, but, but like way better. Yeah. I mean, I, okay. I, I, I do want, and I think Xbox and PlayStation have proven that people want backwards compatible consoles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I hate the fact that like we might, uh, upgrade and like, man, I'm gonna have to rebuy the same games on, on digital or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't want to do that. Or you have to keep this, like, not saying it's old, but like, I have to continually come back to the, the switch hardware. I have to keep this piece of hardware around. Like I was literally thinking the other day with my Xbox, for example, I'm like, I have I have an Xbox One X and I have the Xbox uh, Series X and I have the original Xbox One and I'm like I don't need this Xbox One like I don't know what I'm going to do with it but I even looked like you don't they're not even reselling for that much because you don't really really even need it it's kind of like an old phone at this point I'm yeah like, I mean it's just basically like hey find find a place to recycle it yeah you know, exactly or whatever some electronics store to you know shove it to but that's great um, honestly like I mean I'd rather have that than like have to carry all these like keep all these consoles around like I do with previous like Nintendo generations. Yeah. I mean, I think about like the Nintendo generations we've had, like they they, a lot of times have decided to have like backwards compatibility, but like in some cases they haven't been able to like from the, um, like from the DS stuff is a good example. It's like, there's a hardware reason that just does not have backwards compatibility. Um, the Wii U is like the switch is not backwards compatible with Wii U games because it goes from cartridge, like uh, from disc to cartridge. And you look at like, so for the Wii that actually the original Wii, if you bought that in year one, it played GameCube games um, because they basically took the insides of a GameCube and, and they had both (laughs) inside of this, this, uh, the, the Wii. And like, it was all just crammed on top of each other. And so like, like they try to do that, but then obviously in the Wii, like the next ones that were released, like their next revision, it was just like after that first year, they did not have backwards compatibility with the uh, with the GameCube anymore because you know it was just so expensive to, to basically have uh, manufacture a GameCube inside of a, a Wii. <laughs> um, so I don't know, man. I, I hope that this has backwards compatibility um, because of the same thing. It's like, man, if I could just like have my entire Switch game catalog over on this other device that'll hopefully run them better, um, like, you know, higher frame rates or like whatever, um, graphical fidelity, low, shorter loading times, whatever it might be, um, and just be able to play it kind of like you do with your Xbox and like... Um, PS5 does now like that wasn't in their plan originally, but that, that like they were kind of forced to do that by the consumers. So like, I really, really hope that Nintendo kind of like sticks the landing on this one is like, Hey, you know, we're going to be coming out with the exclusives for the new console. Um, but you can play all your old games on the new console and that'll give me a better reason to upgrade than just like can continuing to hold on to my switch oh, because like, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, if, if they launch a new console, and I can't play any of my old games. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what am I doing? What yeah, am I doing? It's just a bu- like, I have so many games on the Switch that I, like, still haven't played. And so it's like I might opt to just, you know, continue playing the Switch games. And that's how I feel like most consumers might be, right? Like, a lot of consumers will probably be like, well, I still play the ones on my Switch now. Whereas, like, if they're like, hey, 
not only are you going to be able to get the new games, you can play your old games, but better on the new device. Like that's going to incentivize people to be like, oh, well, maybe I, maybe I should like upgrade because I all my old games that I haven't played yet or haven't finished, you know, Animal Crossing yet or whatever. Like I'll still be able to carry those over. Like it's it is the phone situation where it's like because my phone is just the soul of my phone from you know twelve phones ago. <laughs> Oh, I'm gosh. fine upgrading yeah, like to every, the new yeah, phone. It's all the same, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't you know, I'm incentivized to do that because everything just runs better on it. So I don't know. It's uh I hope that they kind of nail that. Um a lot of games do use the kind of Joy-Con thing. So if this thing, you know, hopefully this thing uses a similar like Joy-Con controller situation. Um, but I don't see any reason why like this doesn't have like a, a second screen, like a dual screen, or it doesn't have like a like something ridiculous like the touchpad, like that the that the, uh, that the, the Wii U had. Um, so if they basically do pull the same device and just go, we're gonna make it better. Um, I feel like that's that's a win for everybody. Yeah, I agree. So the timing, like, do you feel like next year is, is likely? Do you feel like that that's like you know, or or are people like jumping the gun where it's like, oh, because. I guess it was for the it was during the Wii U generation. We had rumors of the next console for literally years. Yeah. Before it came out. I mean, like the answer like if I yes, I think I am ready for a better looking Nintendo console. Like and at, at this point like I'm tired of Nintendo always looking like crap compared to the Xbox and PlayStation. Now like do we need um you know, like ray tracing and uh, spatial audio and all that stuff. No, do I want at least 1080 uh, when I plug into my television? Yes, every time. I mean, yeah, at the yeah. minimum. Not just some games. <laughs> I what, what I really love would be a 4K console that looks beautiful. Like, yeah. and yeah, I know I'm only playing whatever the newest Mario movie is or Zelda, but like freaking Zelda should look great. I mean, back when. Uh, when Breath of the Wild came out, it looked great. Yeah, like I said, yeah. I was disappointed. Like, and I and that I went there back. Wasn't, yeah, there wasn't any graphical increase at all. I just feel like this is just a carbon copy, which is fine. It doesn't look, you know, it's fine. But also, like, then I play almost literally anything on the Xbox or PlayStation, and they look. It looks so much better. I'm like, Phew. yeah. The interesting thing about like the device is that like we now have like the steam deck and there's like that. What is it? The, 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 the ally, like there's a, like there's other handheld consoles that are out there now, um, that are doing like a PC from the PC side of things. Um, and so I, the only thing that like concerns me a little bit is that it, because Nintendo kind of like, they pull the whole, like, Oh, the blue ocean strategy where like they try to not compete on the same, like, in the same, like, oh, it's we're not going to put out the same console as everybody else because we don't want to compete with them on that because we can't keep up. Like, um, I mean, I th- and that was proven true with the GameCube because they did compete on a power level and they did compete on these levels and they just they just couldn't keep up um, with the Xbox and the and the PlayStation. Um, so, like, I worry that if there's if that gets too crowded with like other handheld devices and stuff like that or a console, you know, handheld hybrids. Um, that they might just bail on it and be like, well, let's do something else. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's put out a, uh, let's put out, you know, one that flies or something, you know, like just so some, some other ridiculous thing with, or a ridiculous peripheral or whatever. Um, 
So anyway, I mean, because like I truly do feel like the Switch is honestly the Nintendo console's perfect form because it really it has like the quirkiness of the Joy-Cons where it's like you want to like play the games or you pretend like you're answering the phone before the other person, you know, the quick draw game or whatever. You can do all of that. You can have your motion aiming and things like that, which actually is, is very cool with a console. Um, but like we also have like the capability of just like, just strap them onto the thing and you got a cool handheld or just plug it into the TV. You got a, you got a console. Like it really does kind of balance the, the quirkiness of Nintendo with the, um, as just a normal kind of like everyday, you know, gaming person's, um, life, you know, it's like, I don't need, I don't need joy cons, removable joy cons in my everyday life most of the time, but it is interesting and quirky that they're there. And that feels very Nintendo. So, um, I, I do hope that they don't diverge too far from the kind of tried and true, like handheld, uh, console, uh, hybrid thing. Totally. Totally. Last thing, Chris, I, I just remembered that Red Dead Redemption, the original, it's been rumored for a while that they have a remake coming, right? That there was like this remake coming. There's news this week that it's not a remake. They're just, they just bas- or basically are re-releasing um, a, the Red Dead Redemption 1 on PlayStation 4. Yes, you heard me, PlayStation 4, and on Switch. So later this year, you can play the original Red Dead Redemption, the exact same graphics that it had at the back of the day, uh, on your Switch or on your PlayStation 4. Yes, you heard me, PlayStation 4. It, is um, it like not coming to Xbox because you can already do it via back- backwards compatibility? 100%, Chris. But you can't um, on PlayStation? And you can't on PlayStation. Okay. Yeah, and so like you can play it on backwards compatibility with your with your Xbox. Not only can you play backwards compatibility, it will have like the multiplayer component that all still exists inside of the Xbox One. I don't think the new PS4 or Switch One has the multiplayer component. And then secondly, the Xbox One will actually like upscale to 4K, and it will ups and it like it increases the frame rate sometimes above like the 30 frames per second that you're used to. The new one, I do not believe will. We'll see whenever it comes out, but like the reports were that like we've locked this thing at 30 frames per second, you know, or whatever. Um, so anyway, that that was one of those things where I was like, man, I would love to go back and play the original Red Dead Redemption if they remade it to have the graphics of the like Red Dead Redemption 2 or something. You know what I mean? Like just but they did, they did not do that. They they just basically re-released it for PlayStation 4 and Switch. So, 50 bucks. <laughs> Wild. I mean, I might just do it on on Switch just to play the game again on the go. Yeah. Have it handheld. Yeah, that sounds like a blast, you yeah. know. But yeah, it's it's a wild one, man. It's I I I saw that announcement. I was like, "Really? Oh, man. Bummer." Um, but yeah, you know, and obviously like maybe whenever the next Switch comes out, you know, take two will just be like, hey, let's put it on that too. I don't I don't know. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, we'll let you know if they give a more official announcement of the next Nintendo console, the Switch 2, or whatever it's going to be called. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com, on social at chriswright250. And John Wright 777 And at Stay on Target Pod. Please go to your podcast service of choice. Review us. Tell all your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on, on Target. Target.